Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stemmen Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about interim work and interim pastors. And if you are unfamiliar with that term, uh, we will be discussing what that means uh, later on in our episode. But joining me today is my co-host, Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing, my friend? I'm ready for spring. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of this cold weather. We, we've been pretty spoiled in Ohio with the whole, like you know, late blooming of winter. And then when winter hits, it's like, man, it's 10 degrees outside. It's five degrees outside. The wind chill's negative 15. I'm a Southern boy and I love uh, warm weather. So I'm ready for spring. How about you? Now, have you had any issues with frozen toilets this year? No, thank you, Jesus. That was last year we had that bad storm and we have three bathrooms and only one of our bathrooms worked. And you would have thought we had first world problems because we only have one bathroom. <laughs> I mean, it was <laughs> no, seriously. Like it, it, it's amazing that you don't think about those things until only one, like, cause we have two, two, uh, we have three toilets and two showers and only one shower and one toilet worked in the entire house. So mm-hmm. yeah. And it took about a week for that to thaw out. So just grateful that that hasn't happened this year. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> And also joining me today is Dr. Jeanette Flynn. Dr. Jeanette, how are you doing today? Are you a doctor? I just made that up. I think you are. <laughs> not not earned. So I ah! don't. <laughs> do you have an honorary doctorate? I do. I so you're Reverend Dr. Jeanette. There you go. Yeah, you I go. don't keep that title. There are too many, too many people I respect who have earned the title. I did not. Got it. Ah, wonderful. Good, good, good. I guess, I guess I'm going to have to earn the doctorate then to, to, to feel better about that then. Because I've always <laughs> joked. I'm like, I'd rather just somebody like give me an honor or one and just be, you know, really good yeah, at something. Yeah. And, like when <laughs> Charles Schultz got his from Anderson. <laughs> I don't even know Dr. who that is. Charles Schultz. Charles Schultz, the Peanuts guy who did the Peanuts cartoons. Oh, oh, okay. Never mind. I, I was thinking of, I was thinking of somebody else. Um, I think it was, I thought I was thinking... Um, I was thinking something related to the Gaithers. It had nothing to do oh. with, with that. It was completely honorary, honorary doctorates are given either because you're old or you've given a, I shouldn't probably I'm probably make people mad. You're either old, you give a lot of money, or you've done some, you know, something that is significant in the eyes of people around you. Um so I don't use the title. <laughs> what was what was the criteria again? You're, either you're old, okay, you know, and you've been around a long time, or you've given a lot of money that works too, or you have done some significant, like Charles Schultz. You know, he's famous. So, okay. if I give you an honorary doctorate, then my name gets attached to you. And so, well, I was I was going to say Taylor Swift got a, an honorary doctor from New York University like two years ago, but I my perfect illustration. She's uh she's a billionaire and she's idolized by so many so well <clears throat> there you have it friends that's what an, if you're thinking about getting an honorary doctorate you just gotta be old that's right and rich, old. Or, or and famous. rich. Or rich. yeah yeah so old, please send all famous. comments to scott <laughs> who is not old rich or famous there you but, go. It's, but it's earning a doctorate but through that's actual true. education and <laughs> taking of classes and I have great respect for that. Yeah, awesome. All right, so, but we're going to be talking about interim work, but before that, story's gone wild. Micah, do you have one for us? 
I do. And um, I think I texted you over the weekend and I was like, man, I started like a running list because I've been talking about um, <laughs> starting a list of all these crazy ministry experiences over the years. Um, and since we're going to be talking about interim work today, um, I'm going to share about a story where uh, I worked as an interim worship pastor a couple of years ago at a, a Baptist church in our community. And um, I've had stomach issues my entire life. And you pair that with, with some anxiety. It's just a recipe for disaster. And I don't care if, if um, you're the senior pastor, I don't care if you're the worship pastor. I don't care if you're the senior adult pastor, youth pastor, et cetera. There are nerves and there's pressure that goes along with getting up on that platform in that sacred space. And so, um, the way that this church was set up is like, if you're looking at the, the sanctuary uh, from like a, the pew or the seats, you know, you have the platform where the, the musicians are and the pastor preaches and everything. And then there's two doors on each side of the platform that go back. And then you can go underneath the sanctuary across because there's a hallway that goes back up the stairs. And so I have been at this church for two, three months. I was there probably eight months, I think total um, as their interim. And, uh, man, my stomach was just bothering me because I just have, you know, that bad stomach. And so I would always make a point to, to hurry up and go to the bathroom before service starts because I'm just nervous and, you know, just you got to go, you got to go. And so, like, I would also make a pit stop on the way, you know, back to my seat after worship is over. And so, like, I'm drinking a ton of water because I have to sing. And so one Sunday after service, pastor pulls me aside and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, you just seem to disappear after, after worship, you know? And, and it just, it's, it's more appropriate that you're in here. Granted, this guy's a Southern Baptist preacher and he preaches probably an hour anyway. So like, I'm not going to miss much. Right. And, and I'm thinking this in my brain, but like he said that somebody was saying that like, they noticed that I was coming in later after worship and it was like they didn't understand why and i'm like well if you really want to know i have stomach issues <laughs> and i told him that and he was like oh well we'll 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 try to hurry up and i'm like well i'll try to do what i can because i'll do what my stomach can tell me to do because like he was just super critical of the fact that i had to go to the bathroom and it wasn't like i was missing anything right because this our sermon was um in fact you know my wife always made the joke when we were there the man just doesn't know how to land the jet because he just, you know, he would, he would be, he'd be 20 minutes into a 45 minute sermon and he was still on point one, you know? And it's so like, it's, I, I think it's a Baptist thing, um, you know, salvation and all those fun things, which goes along with preaching. But yeah, he was, uh, somebody was not happy that I was using the bathroom apparently. So that was, that's my story's gone wild, Scott. I mean, would you rather me just like go in the in the seat or <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, yeah. That's 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 funny. Uh <laughs> I mean I just get nervous, right? Like I think it's just human yeah. nature to get nervous about those kind of things. And yeah. Like apparently I wasn't getting back to my seat fast enough after I led worship and had a powerful time of prayer and worship. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hurry up, I gotta preach for two hours. Hurry up, you're taking up yes. time. Yes, you're taking too much of my time. But like, there's uh, 200 people in the the sanctuary. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, why are we worried about this? So, anyway, Scott, do you have a story? 
Yeah, so uh, my story has to do with, um, it, it had to do with, you know, a church I was interiming at, and um, the church I was interiming at was very small, barely had money in the bank. Um, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, they're trying to look for someone. The last pastor was there, was a bivocational pastor for five years and had his own like AM radio, Christian radio station. So, um, so I'm there and I'm kind of helping them find their, you know, helping them keep things afloat, but also they had no clue like what they needed to do. This is, I think they had that. I don't think they even used ministry connector before or anything like that, which, you know, what's ministry connector. Already, <laughs> what's ministry connector. Exactly. So, um, Rest needless in peace. To say, needless to say, I had to deal with an issue because we'd have like every couple of weeks we'd have a meeting. I had to deal with an issue because there'd be a guy at the church who gave the most money to the church. And he felt like it was his right because he gave X amount of money that he could turn up the heat in the building when the building was not being used. So, you know, the church usually would have everything down at like 60, 65 degrees when it's not being used and then someone would get there in the morning before church starts bump up the heat and get it warmed up by the time service started so since he was the guy who also kind of helped clean the church he'd get in there he'd turn up the temperature to like 78 degrees and then do his cleaning work and would just leave it and not turn it and then when they kept telling about it so he felt like well i give the most money at this church so i can leave the heat on so I have to go deal with that situation. So I just thought that was, it was probably one of the first times. Cause again, like I worked at a, I worked as an intern at my home church. I think this is the first time where I'm just like, man, 78 is really hot, right? 78 is yeah. really I mean, hot. A it's hot, but B, I mean, I don't know what this guy was doing. Like, was he coming in wearing like shorts and a tank top cleaning the church? Like thought it was beach day, but <laughs> It's just like, it's like it was the first time where I'm like, man, there's some weird things that happen in these churches because <laughs> so I think that was like my very first ever stories gone wild when I, since I've been a pastor was that where they had to talk, had to bring a guy into the makeshift office in the back and of the sanctuary and just say, Hey, you can't be keeping the heat on that high. And had to talk to him about it. And he's like, but I clean and it's always cold. I'm like, that's fine. I get that. But at the same time, like, if you do realize that even though you're given the most money, you're still not able to still make, you're still running a deficit. Even having a bivocational pastor, you're, you're running a little bit of a deficit. So the more you can kind of keep that deficit small or break even, it's going to be good for the continuation of the church. Oh, okay. Like, so, you know, basic common sense that I had to teach this guy, but yeah, that was it. So that's my story. What about you, Jeanette? I mean, I'm sure you have tons of stories about interim work and, and crazy things, but what um, do you have? Well, you're right. There are, anytime you're doing an interim, uh, you, you, there are surprises, you know, that you're just going, wait, what, how did that, so at an interim that I uh, did, uh, when they contacted me, uh, the senior pastor had left abruptly. And um, so they called and said, hey, could you come and do three months uh, interim work? Uh, There's a larger staff. They had about five or six people, well, seven people on staff. And 
can you just come give the staff a break? And um, we think the executive pastor is going to become the new senior pastor. So can you come and do that? Sure, I can do that. And so um, went and um, <laughs> started the interim ministry there and uh, gave the uh, executive pastor why don't you take 30 days, go rest, you know, cause you're going to pick this up and run with it. You go rest. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it was about, I think maybe two, three weeks into his 30 days. And he called and said, um, you know, we need to talk. I'm not going to come back. I'm going to take another position. It's like, Oh, <clears throat> and then within the, uh, <laughs> within the next, um, few months, four more staff members dropped resignations and then I helped one leave. And so um, my, within my first three months, we had five resignations and my interim there went from three months to 15 months. So that went a little wild for me. It was like, Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. It just kept going. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> it was oh, quite it, a it's I was going to say it's common in, in, in some church spaces that like when a senior pastor leaves, a lot of stuff will go. It, but then not, usually not when they go, usually yes, it's when the new yes. guy. So I was expecting the new guy to take all the hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but apparently you did. Apparently. So, which is fine. It was all fine. It all worked out. I think God was in it, but talking about stories gone wild, it was like I was holding on for dear life. Because um, it was not at all what was anticipated. So, and interim work is like that, by the way. You you really, yeah, they give you a job description, but it's just a piece of paper. <laughs> You're saying all I have to do to get a doctorate is. <laughs> Goodness. So as we move to our topic of uh, interim and being an interim pastor, for those who are listening who may not necessarily understand that term or may not have to deal with interims, like what is an interim pastor, Jeanette? Sure, an interim pastor, and it can be in any position, by the way. It's not always just the senior role uh, that we often think about. That's largely where it is. But sometimes we have interim youth pastors or interim worship leaders. And the word interim means, you know, the in-between, the for a season. Um, and so the interim pastor is there to help the congregation in the time of transition, moving from the the leader who has just left, whatever role, just left, and you assist them in continuing to remain strong or grow stronger until they're prepared to call the the next leader who will be there long term. So you're in transition. Uh, the word interim pastor has uh, it's now almost equally referred to as transitional pastor for that that reason alone, because you're helping them in a time of transition. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So Micah, when you talk to think about your interim term, did, did did that fit that definition that Jeanette gave us about what an interim pastor is? Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, uh, something I may add 
if I if I may, is that like I think uh, at least in my experience in both interim roles that I worked in, the pastor asked me if I was interested in the position. If that makes oh. sense. So like one church I was at, it was a Southern Baptist church in the community I live in. They needed an interim worship pastor. I was there for eight months. They asked me when I started if I was interested in this long term. And then by the end, you know, like during the time I actually sat down with their elders and I talked with them about it, um, I was working, you know, full time somewhere else. And so it was like, I just didn't feel like that was going to be a good fit, you know, for me to, to, to stay long term. We were going to pray about it and talk about it. But like at the time, it was a part time position. So I'm like, I, I've been there where I've been bivocational and it was super taxing on me uh emotionally and physically and mentally and um yeah so like I, I think another part of that too is that like sometimes if you're doing a great job as the interim don't be surprised if they offer you the job or try to get you to apply for the job um but i've also seen it too like in, in spaces that i've worked where i'm on staff at a church and the lead pastor leaves mm-hmm. and then we have internal candidates apply and then they don't get it for whatever reason. And then they leave. And it's like, yeah. or there's like stipulations in place where, you know, they, they open up, you know, the portal, so to speak about, you know, folks applying for this position and staff aren't allowed to apply for it. They're like disqualified for a reason because they're already serving in a role. Um, I've seen that too. Um, so there are, there's just a number of, of ways that I think of interim work, you know, in respect to like, okay, if you're truly going in there and you're just going to serve as the interim and, and, and provide what Jeanette said, a stability, then, then great. But if you have other motives or the church has other motives, it's like, I think you need to be very careful too, like in respect to candidates and people and the way that you're looking at this job description and what you want people to do and what you're, you know, don't get in there as an interim because, because you and I, the three of us around this, this, this virtual table know that sometimes it takes forever. Jeanette just said she was at a church for 18 months, you know, trying to, you know, wait for the next lead pastor to come. And, um, you know, we all know that it can take forever. And sometimes we should talk about that too. But like, the idea that churches often can use interims is kind of like a stall tactic to actually hire somebody else. It's like, mm. you know, I I've worked at churches where they hire somebody in a month and I've worked at churches where they've not had a pastor for three years. So just a number of things to consider. Um, and, uh, you know, aside from, from Jeanette's definition, which I think was accurate. What do you think? What do you think Scott? Yeah, I, I would say that's accurate too. Um, you know, it, it's been very interesting because, living in two different states and looking at their interim process, it's very, um, how do I put it? It's it's very interesting. Like in Ohio ministries, like I feel like they had a list of interims and it was broken down by districts. So if you're a church in Northeast Ohio, you can look for Northeast Ohio interims and you're, you're good. Virginia didn't really have anything based because they only had like didn't really have regions and when before i became the pastor of the church that i was at in virginia the interim there was there for two and a half years and he drove probably a good two and a half hours 
just to get to church and then would drive two and a half hours back home. And that was quite a haul to do that for almost two and a half years, which when I got there, there was a bad snowstorm and there was this plans to kind of do this, you know, passing of the torch as you will. And um, with the winter storm, he wasn't able to come up. So basically it was like, we canceled church. I get there and we canceled church for next two Sundays because of weather. And then I started and that was it. Like there was no ceremony, no nothing. It's like, okay, you're the pastor. Here you go. So, um, so yeah, like I would say, um, you know, when I think about my experience as interim and, um, it was, it was very, very different because again, they needed a pastor. At one time they asked me since I didn't have a, I was looking for a church at that time. They're asking me if I would be interested in it. And I kind of dabbled in the idea, but there definitely was some signs that kind of made me think, I don't think this is going to work. Um, and, and one of them was because they just didn't, they just didn't really were good stewards of the property and the stuff that they had. And what I mean by that is they went and showed me the parsonage. And I remember they opened up the door and apparently they rented it out, but they never returned the keys. And I remember opened up the door. And the first thing you saw was these big muddy footprints throughout the whole entire house. And they, and these people are like, what? Like, how did this happen? I'm like, well, somebody probably has a key and walked in here. So they called the former pastor saying, hey, you know, were you in here or something? And he's like, no, I haven't been there. So obviously someone didn't do their due diligence to get the key when they were renting it out. Um, so I try to talk with them and try to help them as best as I can. And eventually I got them. Here's how you can try to find a pastor. So I sent their stuff to help them know who to send their stuff to with Ohio Ministries. And it also got their stuff set up for ministry connector and i do remember the one time and micah you mentioned earlier like oh i didn't really have much power or influence or say on some changes you know because you're just kind of there to kind of help maintain i was in a particular spot where i did have some influence because there was one pastor that they were looking at that looked really good it was a pastor from oklahoma wife three kids and they again, they put what they wanted. They said we can only pay you like twelve thousand dollars a year. It's a bivocational job. And yet this person was demanding that they get paid 40 grand to come <clears> down there and be their pastor. And they're asking me, and they're and they're at the point where they're saying, Well, should we do it? And I'm thinking, and I'm looking at their budget, and I'm looking at their budget, I'm going. Are you going to take out a loan? Or are you going to mortgage the church to get this guy here? And they're they're considering it. And I'm thinking, listen, <laughs> this is, I, 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 I said, listen, this is what you decided you're going to do. And if someone is trying, and I mean, I know you guys want a pastor, but is it worth, because there's no guarantee that this pastor is going to revitalize your church. Hmm. There's no guarantee. And yeah, you might think like, oh, they has three kids and that will bring kids to the church. And oh, they're young. So that's going to bring young people to the church. Like, you know, it's that mentality like, oh, this would be good. But it's like, yeah, but how long are you going to have this person here before you have to say, sorry, we can't pay you anymore because we don't have money. So I yeah. told him, 
I know this person's interested and they say they're interested, but there's no way you're going to go mortgage a church and bankrupt yourselves trying to get somebody over here. So I said, absolutely not. Do not hire this person. I, <laughs> and, and they listened to me. But then luckily they found another person who was Northeast Ohio, agreed to their terms, was a plumber by trade. Um, originally was from the Barberton uh, Church of God. And, you know, and he was there and he was a nice guy and he was there pretty much until the church closed. But it was interesting because even when we would drive through that area to get to my parents' house when I was pastoring up in Youngstown, like I would see signs like, hey, after school program here at this church. So they were actually so he was actually doing a great job with that church. And eventually, you know, money and time just kind of ran out on him and they had to close their doors. So. But yeah, but I thought that was strange. Like, oh, hey, I'll come be your pastor if you give me 40 grand. Like, uh, we're only offering 12 grand. Like, but that's, I just oh, thought that was crazy too. <laughs> I mean, I think you need to like, and this is a completely separate conversation, but like when you're applying for jobs, like I think that, you know, there's this, you know, kind of, it, for example, in higher education, they post salaries for jobs when you're posting, you know, you're applying for them. So like that, to, to me, you would think that that'd be like one of the first questions you ask. You know, like how much money is this church willing to pay me or how much this position rather is is willing to pay me to come be your senior pastor. And like, I think two things. One, I think a lot of pastors are in denial because they think they can come in and be the catalyst and make the churches grow. And there's no guarantee. Right. It, it takes an act of God and the Holy Spirit to make that flourish and grow. On the other side, it's like. If we can't have we can't, we don't have the money to pay you, then then why would you even apply or consider it? Um, yeah, you know. And I shared I shared on another episode of this this podcast, but my brother and sister in law uh, go to a church up in Northeast Ohio, and it's a church of God. And their senior pastor died a couple of years ago, and they have hired an interim, and they've had an interim for almost two years. And it's like the church has twenty people; they don't have any debt, but they can't pay nobody. Because they don't have the number of people, they have barely enough money to keep the lights on. So it's like, how are you going to hire a pastor to even pay them the minimum of like, you know, I don't even know what the minimum like salary range is for a pastor, you know, these days. But like, you know, 40 grand doesn't seem like enough. But like, if you can't pay to keep the lights on and the water and the pipes from busting and the heat and all that stuff, then there ain't no way you're going to be able to pay a senior pastor. So... And and I know Jeanette, you have you, you've been working in an interim position recently. Are you still there at that at that uh, the one you're at now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm at. I am in an interim position right now. Well, you said something similar about uh, you know I'm trying to I'm not trying to name names or churches or anything like that. I'm just being careful. But like I'm just saying that like you you said you experienced you know some some similar situations where yes. You know, they don't, they're, they're on their last, we talk about life cycles, right? We talked about that leadership focus, but like yep. churches are in their last, last phase of the life cycle of the church and they want to bring a new pastor in, but they can't because they can't afford it. That's right. Yeah. In fact is, yeah, as I was listening, I was thinking the same thing, uh, Micah, that sometimes churches get an interim quote unquote interim pastor because they're unwilling to confront the real issue, which is we're at the end of our life cycle and probably we need to close or we need to merge or we need 
you know, we got to do something different. So the way you didn't, it's, it's avoidance. I avoid having that discussion. So I get a, an interim who drives in and preaches on Sundays or maybe makes a visit or two during the week. That is not, a, you know, an authentic interim. So I think when we're talking about interim pastorates or interim positions, even, um, it's important to really identify there are different different types of interims. Some of them are just fill in the gap. Some of them are there because the church is wanting to avoid the real issues. And then there are some interim pastorates that are authentically, the purpose is to authentically prepare the church for a new life cycle. So, yeah, and and, you know, really interim ministry is still developing. It's still for being formulated and not that we haven't been doing it for a long time, but we didn't have these kind of conversations where we talked about what type is, what, what is real here. And, you know, I, I think we're coming to a stage where you're going to have different conversations about interim ministry because we've learned a lot over the last three decades. Can I add to the avoidance conversation? Yeah. The something else I've noticed over the years in ministry is that um, churches will set the bar so high for their job description of a senior pastor in, in this illustration, a lead pastor, or senior pastor, that they want that person to have a PhD. They want to have a terminal degree. They want, you know, so many years of experience and they want them to be, like I said earlier, the catalyst to grow the church. They almost you know, by adding that word avoidance to the conversation, they almost make it so difficult to even obtain the position that they just stall and they avoid actually hiring somebody as a result. I don't know if you've seen that too, but like, I think, I think Scott, Scott was saying that there's a, there's a church that we all, that we all went mutually that like they wanted their new lead pastor to have a PhD or, ha- or be in the process of a PhD. And it's like, not everybody feels like, you know, some of the best preachers I know don't have never been to seminary and don't have a degree in ministry. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yet they they set the bar so high that they avoid, you know, hiring a new pastor. And then you know, in another situation, like, um, I use this illustration, right? Church has a pastor. Pastor leaves. They hire an interim. Interim, for example, was Doctor Claude Ribble. Everybody loves Claude. Claude is an amazing human, right? Yeah. yeah. They go to hire a new pastor. How is anybody going to compare to how great Claude was? Because Claude is just such a stable, loving, caring, phenomenal preacher, person, loving man of God. I, I could add the, the 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 verbs, the whatever at the end of his 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 name, and you know, I I. I have a dear friend who had uh, was at a church. He goes to a church where Claude was the interim for for a while, and it's like, man, I miss Claude. <laughs> Claude was so good, and it's like, well, how do you how do you get over that? Because Claude, you know, is retired from full time ministry, and he has no desire to be a right. senior pastor anymore. Right. And but like you put, but then that's a whole other conversation of putting your your faith and your stock in a person rather than God and letting God move the church forward instead of just putting it into one, you know, I'm going down a huge rabbit hole, but like, I I think that it's like, you know, well, I just think it's important to realize that like, you can't just put, 
put all your stock in the person. And like, I, I see that being an issue too, where you hire an interim and they're phenomenal and, but Ooh. they don't have any desire to be there long term. And then when you hire a new person, it's like, well, they're not as good as the other person. They weren't as good as the interim. Here's what the interim did. Like, and you get that too, even if like you hire a new pastor and there's not an interim. So yeah. Yeah. I, Scott, I didn't know where you wanted to go with the conversation, but I was just thinking about that as well. Well, yeah. And I think that's kind of the, I think that's kind of the, um, you know, we talked about life cycles in churches. I know we've talked about that in a previous episode with you and Jeanette. And I think that's always kind of been the big issue with, um, like with interim pastoring is that, you know, like Micah, you said, well, I couldn't make any decisions where I was in a spot where I had to literally tell someone, please don't bankrupt your church because you're trying to bring somebody in for an amount of money that you did not post that you said right. you were willing to pay. Right. Um and I think that's always the kind of, so I'm kind of curious, do you think that the reason why, I th do you think the reason why some of these churches, when they have their interims and then they finally get the lead pastor, do you think that there is something within that process that can kind of make that transition smooth so that people can kind of realize like, okay, this is the person we hired. This is the person that we voted in. This is the person that's going to be our next lead pastor or next worship pastor. And yet you still have people going, oh, well, man, I miss Pastor Scott or I miss Pastor Steve or I miss Pastor Claude. Like, like, is there a way where, like, how, I guess, how do you, how do most people navigate a good transition between an interim and then their new pastor and make that smooth so you don't have kind of these like factions or these split groups or is there anything anyone can do to kind of make that process that transition a little smoother yeah one of my favorite words that Jeanette uses is recommendations and Jeanette is phenomenal at making recommendations and I've known her for years and that's one of my favorite things that she does it's like you know she's always thinking she's always forward thinking and like offering um recommendations and almost having like a succession plan and I know, Jeanette, you're writing stuff and you're, you know, I don't know if you're writing a book or you're just writing something out just in reference to interim work. But, you know, if you could speak on that, I, I just think I thought there it might have been a church my dad pastored, but like you offered recommendations and that word just stuck out to me because it's, it's that's a Jeanette word, rec recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I can own the word, but I do love making recommendations, uh, partly because I believe it it not only allows, but requires people to participate in choosing and in putting forth effort. Uh, I think there's a, you know, we've got, we've got so many um, subtopics going today in what we're talking about. We could, we could have about 10 more of these because um, here, here's a subtopic for you, Scott, we hire pastors and want them to do all the work. We if the if the church doesn't grow, we blame the pastor. If the church does grow, it's got to be the pastor. I mean, so you know, here's another subtopic uh, for you. But but mm -hmm. I like recommendations because it says back to the church, I can, I can help you think, I can help you pray, I can even help you in leadership. But you have a responsibility. And here's some recommendations that you need to take a look at, think about, pray about, and you're probably going to have to put some 
hard work and dollars into making it happen in order for this to be successful on the other side. An interim ministry does not guarantee success on the other side. And we Mm -hmm. sometimes, I think, we assume, you know, we'll get this interim and the next person coming in will just pick up and run from there. Not true. Not true. Yeah. Well, as far as, you know, sub conversations or going all over the place, like, I think that's the nature and the messiness of interim work. It is. You really don't know what you really don't know what you're getting into when you walk in and say, Hey, I'm willing to be the interim pastor. And like you said, Jeanette, you were at that church for three months. You're like, I'll give you three months. (laughs) 18 months later, five resignations later, bringing a new pastor in later. Like, (laughs) yes. That's exactly right, which which is another reason that as we are talking about this whole field, um, you know, if that whatever side of the table you're on this morning where you're listening to this or, you know, thinking about this topic, I cannot tell you how important it is to have clear expectations and clear understandings and clear guidelines, boundaries, you know, um, and too many times churches and and pastors will just simply sign on the dotted, like, yeah, I'll come over and be the interim. And nobody has anything in writing. Nobody knows what's being expected. And so expectations, colliding expectations happen. You know, there there's a disappointment. Well, I thought the interim was going to, you know, and you know, boy, that's Scott. When he was here, he didn't do this. Or, you know, the illustration you use, Micah, well, when, when Claude was here, boy, he he did it. Now we're all compared to Claude. Um, you know, it's like, no, if there are clear, outlined, written, clarified understandings from the per- the interim's perspective, from the church's perspective, and I maintain even from the state's perspective, those three entities ought to all speak into what are the expectations for this season and this interim and this church? What's the expectations? When you get there, you have the best chance of really beginning to help a church move to the next level of readiness. Otherwise, they're just, they're filling the gap. Ask another question that we, that may press some buttons. Yeah. Um, we talked, Scott and I talked, I think it was last week. Maybe it was, no, it wasn't last week. It was a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about um, not necessarily transitions, but like when um, there's a moral failure in a church mm-hmm. and the pastor leaves mm-hmm. or the church says you're leaving, there's really a lack of, conversation between the church and the state and based on how the bylaws and whatever whatever you know church x is there's not a lot of conversations between the state do you see that a lot with interim work too where there's just not a lot of communication between the state and the church and it's like well what does the state do in respect to that conversation um yeah in fact I think um, too many times it's it's gotten a little bit better, but too many times um, states, you know, if they they'll offer a church, 
you know, a half a dozen names or maybe two or three names, whatever, they'll offer the church some names and they, then it's like choose because, you know, in the church of God, um, you know, the biggest God in the church of God is autonomy. So we have to let everybody, you know, run their own ship here. And so as a result, there's no, what I want to say, there's no wisdom being Mm -hmm. given that helps, you know, I, I wish more states were equipped and ready to be able to actually guide the conversation between the church and the interim. And, you know, I just think it's a, it's a great opportunity for a state to become more deeply engaged in the future health and growth of a congregation is in those moments of transition. And too many times we're too worried that we're overstepping. Why we shouldn't say anything. And it's like, no, it's the perfect moment of transition. Let's, let's put everybody at the table and talk about how to make this a moment of growth, a moment of health, a moment that changes the rest of the story. God, I thought she was going to say the D word. Oh no. Denomination. (laughs) She was going to say denomination. (laughs) I had weighed that <laughs> anyway, yeah, but but I mean, I think I think you bring up a very interesting point because any time when I've sat in any state general assemblies or any type of meetings, it seems like when you talk about church health, it's always about church planning, church planning, church planning. Yes, yes, and I feel like what you're saying is. You know, we can kind of do a great job if we can really take the resources to have someone be kind of like the mediator say, between a church that their pastor has moved on. We're now going to put an interim in here and kind of lay down those expectations, kind of understand the wants and desires and really do that, because I think that's really going to help people, A, to say, okay, there is some life in this church that if we have the right wisdom and the right tools we can really see what god can really do do and then the or you can have to have those difficult conversations where you know it, it's time to put it's time to put this bad thing to rest and let's mm-hmm. kind of talk about merging let's talk about and i feel like no one wants to have those conversations because i think they're difficult conversations and I think, like you said, it's, it, you know, people, I mean, you know, Church of God, it's all about autonomy. But when you get to a church of 20 people and they're all aging yeah, and they're about to get to this point, like how, and sometimes there's a lot of times where some of these churches, like especially the church I interim, they really had no clue how to do a lot of things, how to make decisions, how to be a board, what, what how to do certain right. things so a lot of times they were kind of always moving by the you know they're just going from one fire to the next and it's like if you're constantly doing that how can you even plan for the future or make good plans to kind of be successful in the future and really have a plan for growth and vision and anything if you're just constantly moving from one fire to the next Exactly. Exactly. And there's not a, I think there's not a better moment. Um, in fact, I tried to advocate for this at the national level and um, it didn't, 
I didn't win that battle, but I tried to advocate that when anyone wanted to, you, you use the term ministry connector, which it, it, you know, it has been buried. So we give thanks for that. So we have a new system up that's now. And so I tried to advocate that we would, before you could even get on there, there would be requirements for a church and for a pastor and that a church would have to take two courses, just, just two easy courses that the, the care group would offer on financial, financial health and stability and one on church health that we could provide. And, and anyway, I think Scott, you're talking about, you're identifying, I, I know we're supposed to be talking about interim ministry, but we've got to really address this whole issue of what happens when a church is is in transition what really and for too long of a time it's just been well we just help them get the next person no 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 it's the perfect moment to do what you just talked about scott to help them really um, evaluate, identify, explore, maybe get some education, maybe help them come to a reality check. What, what, whether that reality check is whether they're even viable or not as a congregation, but certainly a reality yeah. check about what it takes to pay a, a pastor these days a living wage. Yeah. And, and, even, and even outside of that, I think just the idea of you have a church meet with an interim, and the interim's kind of your your vehicle of your catalyst for transitions between the last permanent pastor and the new permanent pastor. And I feel like a lot of times, at least in my experiences in the last uh, couple churches I've been a part of, I feel like once I got to the church to be the lead pastor, there wasn't really much of a good, like, passing the torch as you will from the mm-hmm. interim to the next pastor it was almost like you know if this pastor was here interrupting you know leading these people and talking with these people and helping these people for the last months or or even years then i would think that the information they would have be would be relevant to the new pastor coming on okay how do i take the ball and continue to do some of the tweaks into changes and some of the things within this it's almost like okay it's almost like a interim's a holding place it's almost like a nail kind of holding the tarp down so it doesn't blow away until mm-hmm. we can put a new permanent fixture in there to actually hold the sails while you're sailing it's almost like the interim's the duct tape and then like the rib pastor's like the actual bolt and it's like well it shouldn't be that way because a lot of times I feel like even at the end or, or I go and meet the interim years later and we're talking about stuff and I may mention, you know, something about, Oh yeah, there's kind of this person or maybe there's this issue going on and they'll say like, Oh, is it, is it this person or is it this issue? And you go, Oh yeah. And they're like, yeah. And then they walk away and it's like, well, that would have been helpful if you would have told me about that. So then that could have been like one of the first things that I started like, really investigating it. Okay. We need to clean this issue or this thing up. It's like, it's like, it's like you have all this wisdom and then you go where, when I interrupted in Wyndham, 
um, when the new pastor that they were going to hire came in, like I was still there and they go, Hey, is it okay if we have this person come speak before we go? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I met with him before he came to speak. We talked about things. He asked me questions about things that I've experienced. I said, Hey, here's some of the things you need to know. Here's kind of the culture. Here's kind of, you know, some of the things that can help you. And, uh, and again, I'm not telling them you should do this. You should do that. I'm just saying, here's what I've experienced. Here's what I know. Use this information to how you can lead and go from there. And I think in some ways, I think a church that I really didn't think was going to last for another year ended up lasting for at least a good five years after I left before mm -hmm. they finally closed their doors. And I think a lot of that, I think a lot of that had to do with the new pastor because he was very passionate and good and what he was doing but at the same time i think just me kind of giving them a little bit of insight because i think there's sometimes where people will tell an interim something because they know well he's not permanent so we can tell the interim whatever we want about the church and all the problems and stuff we have but when we have the person who's coming in we're going to kind of keep our cards close to the chest because we don't want to put them on the table and they go, Oh, we scared off. And now the past is gone because they're like, I don't want to deal with this mess. And they run. So you kind of don't really see the full hand where an interim sometimes has more privy to see the full hand of cards. Or at least that's how it was in my experience of interim mm -hmm. interiming. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right about that. The interim uh, will indeed, um, <clears throat> be exposed to uh, some some truths, some revelations that are so... Harsh realities. Some harsh realities. You're right. You're right. <laughs> harsh realities. Well, I will, I'll say too that like in higher ed, and my wife will just love me for this because she's a big proponent of this, we, we write things down. Mm -hmm. Like um, we do these things called SOPs, Standard Operating Procedure Documents of step-by-step analysis of everything that we do so that like um we also call them like the oh crap book or something like that because like if something happened to me today after work right or if i quit my job or something happened or i got terminal illness or whatever right and i pass away or somebody passes away there's something written down so if somebody yeah. if somebody comes exactly. into that role that they know what's going on and i i think it should be the same for interims like you know a lot of times you come in as the interim, you assess what's going on, you see where things are, you, you try to bring stability to the situation, you get things on a, on, a, on a straight path from where they were because the church obviously is in disarray after their pastor leaves. And so, like, we get to the point where there's some stability and then you bring another pastor in. But, like, I would be writing stuff down as I go just so that, like, when the pastor walks in, it's it's no different than, like, the president, right? The president of the United States, I think there's, like, this this running thing where like the president will leave a letter for the next person after their term is up and they'll leave it mm -hmm. in the desk and the next president will walk in and say, Hey, this is what, what I did. Here's what you can expect. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Something as small as that. And I, I, you know, I think that that goes a long way because like it or not as an interim, whether you're there three months or 16 months, you're going to have an impact on that church and the ministry of that church. And so like, it's, you may not have the title lead pastor, but you're going to be in that holding space for a different reason other than being in the holding space, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Jeanette, I want you to talk quickly. I know that we're 
you know, we've, we've spent about an hour on this, this call, but um, you would talk to me a couple weeks about, ago about writing stuff about interim work. Like, could you talk about that, what you're writing and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I've put together, uh, it's just really, it would be really more of a small booklet or, you know, just okay. a, kind of a guide outline um, was asked to do that for the regional pastors um, uh, across the nation in the church of God. And so I've just, just tried to put together something as I think about their role and many of them, you know, are, um, they, they, their assignment is unrealistic to begin with. I mean, you know, here oversee 300 churches and do it in 20 hours a week or something. Uh, so their assignments are unrealistic. So I tried to put together something that I thought, could be helpful to to how do you select an interim pastor how do you um how do you walk with that interim pastor so like for instance one of the recommendations that i made about you know for a state with the interim pastor is you you need to have at least a 30 minute conversation monthly uh may, maybe a 60 minute conversation you should be asking that interim you know, what are you discovering? What, what are the strengths? What are the, you know, what, what are you seeing that we could do so that there's kind of a collaboration, the state gets to know them better. The, the, the outline or the writing that I did for them includes, you know, how, how to minister to the church and um, how, how to help them. It also includes a section on how to prepare the church. We were talking about, you know, here's Claude, um, and I, I've run into it a time or two where, you know, I tend to be a fairly strong personality. And so um, it, you you can, it can be a bit of a transition when the next person comes in who may be a little lower key, a little has a different style, whatever. So how do you as an interim, how do you ensure a healthy transition so that you set the next person up? Um, you know, for the best entry and the best win possible. So it's just, you know, it's brief, it's short, it's to the point. I tended to do more bullet. Hey, here's some recommendations. Be happy to make it available to you guys. If anybody on the podcast says, yeah, I'd really like to take a look at that. I, I'm happy to send it to you, Scott. And um, if you want to share it, I, you know, just send me all the royalties. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll, 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 that's great. Yeah, we'll definitely have it. And for those of you who are listening, if this is something that is interesting to you, uh, you know, you can message me through our website, dscott7.com. You can send us a comment both on our Facebook page or even on YouTube, and we will make sure we will get that information to you if you are interested in taking a look at it. But Jeanette, again, it's always a pleasure to have you on our show and to hear your wisdom so we're very excited about um, seeing these resources and seeing what great things this has to offer for not only the Church of God, but even all the different denominations we have here in Absolutely. our world. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. It's always a joy to be with you. Yep. Thank you. And friends, thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And we'll be back on with another episode here on the Scott Simon Podcast. Take care. Thank you.